0: Years ago, H.G. Wells
1: visualized roads such as these in his science fiction fantasies, and today they're a
0: reality. You're listening to The Afternoon Commute with John Adams
1: and Chris Kendall. Welcome to The Afternoon Commute with Chris Kendall and John Adams. Today is August 9th. 2017 Is that correct? Yeah If you'd like to hear previous episodes of the afternoon What's that?
2: Yes August 9th, 2017
1: Okay If you'd like to hear previous episodes of the afternoon Commute, go to hoaxbusterscall.com And you'll see those posted up there alongside the most Recent episode of Chris's Monday Night Broadcast, the original hoaxbusters Call. Also posted up there Are various articles and videos Some of those are original in nature So make sure you check those out for any and all things Hoaxbusters, go to hoaxbusterscall today. Mr. Kendall, good to be with you again.
2: Good, to, good to be with you, John. And uh, yeah, I, I got a question for you. Mm hmm. Yes, sir. If uh, like you go to the store and you buy something that's fair trade, does that imply that the other products at the store weren't acquired fairly?
1: I think what that's implying is, with fair trade, and I believe in past calls we've talked about this before, is it goes a little something like this. So, Chris, let's say um, you have your own farm, right? Okay. You you've got a farm, and I come up, and I'm from Starbucks. Right. And I say, Mr. Kendall, how are you doing? Starbucks would like to pay you to grow coffee beans on your farm. All right. You say, oh, okay, well, um, yeah, I don't really do this for commerce. I actually just buy, I actually just, you know, grow the food for myself. I don't really, you know, sell it. It's just kind of, I have like a self-sustaining, like self-sustaining ecosystem going on here okay well we've bought up we basically paid all the farmers around here to start growing coffee beans um, they're probably not going to like it too much if you're not towing the line um, think about our offer yeah right I guess, I guess the better example would be if you're in the middle of Africa and there, you know p- people are out there trying to monetize Africa uh, Starbucks Starbucks will say it's fair trade and then they'll show a picture of like you know a black dude in Africa in the middle of uh, you, you know in the middle of a coffee bean field where in another time period, he didn't have to worry or think about money. He didn't even know what money was. But see, now he grows Starbucks coffee beans in Ethiopia.
2: Yeah. And uh, they have to count on that for livelihood
1: now. Yeah, but, so uh, it's, it's fair trade.
2: And then another thing that's... Uh, i don't it's not funny but it, it it's gonna it's gonna say oh well these people are below the poverty so you can have people who are like oh they they were totally happy you know subsistence farmers or or whatever they were doing before civilization gets introduced and then now it's like oh these represent impoverished people because they don't have a lot of money like they only have they only get a certain li- barely manageable amount from growing starbucks coffee beans or whatever they have to do in the money system which is funny thing about money it's like oh before we really didn't care about it or need it but now that we need it we're classified as Poverty stricken.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting thing. Um, yeah, money. What are you gonna do? Right. There's uh, never there's never there's never enough of it, unfortunately. But I'm I'm below the poverty
2: line according to statistics. But I don't I don't. I don't know that my quality of life is impoverished. I don't... But then compared to what, right?
1: It's impossible for you to be impoverished because you have white privilege.
2: I do have white privilege. Um, Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, But you can be poverty-stricken and be white-privileged. So that's... I don't know how that's supposed to reconcile those two things, but apparently you
1: can't. Now, now it's funny that, um, cause you and I, we were having a conversation about, I actually don't want to totally digress off into this. It's not really my favorite subject we don't really have any, um, formatted discussion today, but the, um, like we were talking about the other day, I think in a, in another time period, what, what people are going off of as quote-unquote white privilege or what people see as being white privilege is left over from assumptions from previous generations. And those previous time periods were used in a way to create class conflict and racial conflict because I don't believe in real class or racial conflict I don't think it really exists grassroots wise no I think it's completely manufactured 100% Um, I'm not saying that people of different um, whatever you want to say race or different types of people that they don't have their differences but whatever that was that doesn't exist anymore those real conflicts that people have because of their differences that doesn't exist and hasn't existed for a long time anything that exists that is that is different between people and causes conflict it exists because of the manufactured system.
2: Right. Yeah, I
1: agree. Right. So, so whether or not at one time there was "quote unquote" white privilege, that may have been true, but it was a manufactured white privilege, and it was used later to weaponize other groups against that those people and. and and um, of course, you know, saying white privilege is very all-encompassing. Of course, we know there's poor white people everywhere. It's like there's poor black people and poor, you know, every every race is poor, everybody's poor. If you want to look at it from the perspective of, and this this is the way that I look at it, and um, I've talked about this many times. I don't judge the guy driving the Mercedes Benz. I don't envy him. I don't care. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me that he's driving the Mercedes, and um, in either way, I don't think to myself, "Oh, that capitalist pig! He's driving a Mercedes. He's ripping people off." Obviously, that's how he got that thing. Um, but at the same time, i I don't envy. I don't want the Mercedes. I, I'm not. I'm not interested in in those type of things. I mean. First of all, I mean, the Mercedes has a lot of problems car-wise, so I wouldn't get a Mercedes, even if I had the money to get one. Most likely, the people driving the Mercedes don't even have the money to have the car, but they have it anyways. Um, Especially if they're driving a Um, (laughs) C-Class. What's a C-Class? I don't know. The the joke the joke with a C class Mercedes, it's like the it's like the cheapest Mercedes. Oh okay. So if someone's driving a C class obviously they can't really afford a Mercedes, but they get the C class because it's the cheapest one. Oh I see, yeah. Right. Um but the uh but You know that those those things are over with. And anytime you hear any of this, you know stuff about um, you know. Oh, we're going to say someone has you know check your privilege or whatever. Or you know, on the other end, we're going to spend all day online calling people snowflakes and hurting their feelings, and they're you know going to go cry about it and that type of stuff. All of that stuff is fake. It's all media fake. Version. It's just it, it it's it's like and and it only affects people who pay attention to media and take the media seriously. You see
2: Yeah. If you it, don't it, pay it's, close it's in- attention to it, you may hear that word bandied about and you may think it has something to do with global warming or, or whatever hey, like snowflakes I don't like you know you don't but other yeah you're not going to know unless you're following along with the script
1: exactly it, it was um, it was interesting like, like I, I was telling you um i was telling you uh, recently i re-watched uh the sopranos uh-huh. and one of the reason i was interested in re-watching the 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 series the sopranos was um this was such a popular show it's been called the greatest television show of all time um all sorts of things and i i'd, I'd I'd watched some of it when, you know, back when it was on and I didn't remember a whole lot about the storyline or whatever. So I went back and I rewatched it. I knew there was going to be a whole lot of stuff about. opponent and take inhibitors because throughout the series, um, it all has to do with psychiatry and the main character, um, is on Prozac and, um, Later on they put his, his Son on Luvox And one of the things I didn't know in some of these epi- one of, In some of the later episodes Is That the son is Becomes very depressed because He's You know this is during the war in Iraq Right when this is all going on And so His son decides that he's going to start Like looking into uh, Media Stories And he becomes kind of obsessed with the Bush administration and all of their crimes and, you know, uh, whether we were going to bomb Iran or not. And he becomes very depressed and they put him on Luvox. Um, One of the things I was thinking as I was watching this was. It was um, very interesting because. I could I could um, empathize with that, with that at that at that particular time. I could think back to the way that I was thinking back then, it was, and it was similar. It wasn't um, You know, it wasn't where I was going to a psychiatrist or anything, but the news and all the things that were happening at that time really disturbed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hadn't um, acquired the. Um, the the skills that uh, you know we try to cultivate and try to pass along to people here about not worrying about stuff and not it's like you know I mean I remember I used to you know read articles on Infowars or new you know go on the New York Times or watch you know I used to be watching CNN four hours a day or some you know nonsense. And I was always, I was just like this, this, uh, this, you know, the son character in, in The was at the at the end. There, I was just, you know, in a in a similar state of mind where he's he's walking around and he's uh, there. There's a scene where he's at a dinner. I can't remember what it was for, but he's at some dinner and there's all these people talking about stuff. And he's like, I can't believe anybody's talking about this. He's like, do you know what you know, do you know what the the crimes the Bush administration is doing right now? Do you know how our rights are being taken away from us as we speak? <laughs> and every everybody's getting all disturbed, right? Because every he's all How could you even how could you even be talking about sports at a time like this? And um And I, I was I was just Reflecting on, it, thinking, like, oh yeah, maybe maybe back then I wasn't as intense as he was, but I was definitely that guy.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I've, I've been that guy. And, um.
2: I think I went through that with uh, Clinton, and, and, where it was like, right. uh, I had people at friends of mine comment, like, well, you know, Clinton is bad, like, paraphrase, kind of like, why, why are you dwelling on it, you know, it's like well, it's like, yeah, we got this criminal in the White House, you know and da-da-da, you know like, all the because I was looking at the Mena-Arkansas stuff and then, but then I read this book uh, Clinton, Bush, and the CIA how, oh, yeah it was uh, Clinton, but then also Poppy Bush and the Bush family was involved with the drug running and all that, and then it kind of that that kind of really altered my views of
1: politics. And uh, and then what's it, that ter- Terry Terry what's his last name?
2: Terry Reed.
1: Terry Reed. Yeah. So, yeah. Not to be confused not to be confused with the uh, singer Terry Reed. No. Yeah.
2: No relation, I don't think. But uh, that he was a pilot, and I guess he got signed on with the CIA to, to do some operations and uh, I don't know if he ever was actually officially CIA but he did work, like contract with them or something and so he exposed the drug running and then uh, drew the connections between uh, the other yeah, Bushes and the Clintons and all of that pretty interesting
1: yeah uh, yeah yeah I, I, I uh, read I read a good portion of that book I didn't ever finish it I think I ta- talked to you about this before that there's no margins on that book and it really bothered me <laughs> that the entire full page is full of, of letters like there, there was no uh, top or bottom margin I don't know who, um yes it was uh it was just funny I just noticed that but yeah like it's it's already like a 700 page book with no margins um yeah so you can so like people are getting the reason I can empathize or understand and like I said you can too is that people get deep into this um they get caught up in the moment um you know, they're angry about Donald Trump or they're, you know, people are angry about the liberals and it's, uh, it's all a Petri dish. Right. It's just a Petri, it's just a, it's just a Petri dish, Chris. It's all that it is. It's just, it's a Petri dish for the big boys.
0: Sure.
2: See yeah. the, Where does culture take place, Alan?
0: See
1: the big boys and I'm, I'm not I'm not talking about the ones that you see on TV. I'm talking about the guys that you don't see. The little man, he's got the pudgy little fingers and the five thousand dollars suit on, and he's picking your pocket as we speak. so the yeah culture petri dish exactly Um, but there's that quote we've said talked about for years that um, B.F. Skinner from freedom uh, beyond freedom and dignity where he actually says that Um, he says yeah culture is you know culture is something that you form in a laboratory that's true um now, interestingly enough, people get all concerned about stuff. They get all hyperventilate and start doing some stuff, and then you start seeing some of these things uh, start to manifest into your everyday life. Like today, I was at the store and I saw this little girl, and she had a, she had a t-shirt on, and her t-shirt said, "Every day is Earth Day." Okay. So, um, and so now, just like the thing that uh, I sent you and you posted up about the extinction symbol. Right. Oh, by the way, Mina, Arkansas. Mina is Mina's almond. It's a scrambled form of, of the word ammon.
2: it's Ammon. I remember.
1: Ammon is the god, the Egyptian god that um the uh, all the masons love. Ah. Makes sense. That's why you say amen in prayer.
2: Right. Yeah, I've heard that. That uh, and then um, amen raw is the uh, what did the uh, what what was it Akhenaten. It started introducing monotheism into Egyptian culture, and then they they switched over to worshiping Amun Ra at some point, allegedly, back in the day.
1: Yes, that is true. Yeah, I've actually got a I've actually got a Bible dictionary here, and it doesn't actually say anything about saying "Amen" at the end of your prayers.
2: Oh really? Yeah, I I was. I would. uh, I was looking into that a while back, and then I, I, I was uh, musing on the amen at the end of prayers. Like, what? Okay, so because there's this passage in the Bible. Well,
1: well, let me let me tell you. Let me tell you here real fast. This is from 1908. It's called key to the Bible, an encyclopedia of persons, places, and things. So, let me tell you, you, you can continue uh, with, with what you are saying uh, right there, but just let me say this before you continue. Ammon, A-M-O-N, or A-M-E-N. Okay? This is all that it says, and this is a this is a Bible encyclopedia. It says, Ammon the Mysterious, an Egyptian divinity whose name occurs in that of No Ammon. In, uh, what is that? N-A-H? What is that? Nehemiah?
2: Nehemiah.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, in... Of no Ammon in A V populous no or Thebes called no. Um, so they're saying the word the word no is also synonymous with Ammon. Like the 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 name no n o is also Ammon. Okay. The Greeks called this divinity Ammon. The ancient Egyptian name is Amen. Amen was one of the eight gods of the first order and the chief of the triad of Thebes. He was worshipped at the city as Amen Ra or Amen, the sun. Okay. So that's so, out of a
2: Bible dictionary.
1: That's out of a Bible dictionary, but it doesn't say anything about saying Amen at the end of a prayer. Ah, uh,
2: but what what year is that printed? Old, 1908. Old, 1908. Right, yeah, because I would, I remember hearing that, and then, so, I, I don't know where I ran across it, maybe Jordan Maxwell or somebody, and uh, I was thinking, I was going to church at the time, and I was thinking, well, okay, that is interesting in light of what the Bible says about speaking with your understanding. So you don't, What there's a passage in the Bible that, Paraphrase it says, you know, you should you should speak because uh, it's it, in the context. It's talking about speaking in tongues, so it's it's saying that no, you should you should you should speak so that people hearing should be able to understand you. You know, which totally makes sense. So if you're going to speak to the congregation, speak in a language they understand you. But at, but yet, there's this common practice in Christian churches to say, "Amen" or "Amen" at the end of prayers. And it's like, well, what is that? Is that Hebrew? Is that Greek? What is what is that word origins, and, and what does it mean? It, well, it means, uh, if you ask a pastor or preacher, say, oh, that means uh, let let that be, or so be it, or something, something like that. But it's like, well, why not just say so be it, or let that be? Why do you say a word that's not English? I, I think that was... Uh, hey.
1: Um, if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, it means make it so.
2: To make it so, okay, yeah. So why not say make it so instead of saying a word where you have to like wonder about okay, what is the meaning of this word? We always say it, but what is it? What exactly does it mean?
1: Uh, well, he, well, here's a, here's an interesting thing. If we, if you're saying make it so. It's it's like your command, you know, this would go back to an, another religion that wouldn't, I'm guessing, wouldn't have any connection to Christianity because in Christianity you would ask God, but in other religions you commanded gods. Like you, you know, you were kind of demanding of certain gods. So if you're saying make it so to... Jehovah, that doesn't really work in the way that. Yeah. You wouldn't be commanding God to make it so. You would be asking to make it so, but you wouldn't say it in that way. You wouldn't say, you know, um, you know, please heal my stubbed toe here. Make it so. Right. It would be. Uh, it would be uh, more well known. I, 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 you know, I know that. Um, make it so interestingly enough pops up in Masonic literature um so that could have been inserted at some time
2: yeah I think the Masons say so be it or so mote M-O-T-E be it at the end of their prayers they don't say amen or amen from what I understand
1: yeah that's true Yeah. But, um, anyways, the, uh, yeah, I got diverted because I brought up Mina being Amen.
2: You were talking about, uh, being uptight about Bush being president.
1: No, well, bleeding over in today, we have this extinction symbol that's popping up, right?
2: And people are getting tattoos of it. And now it's becoming sort of a trend, or a trendy thing, to get a get an extinction symbol tattooed.
1: Right, and so this is a this is allegedly supposed to you know be the figure of an hourglass. It's saying you know your your time is limited here. But I find this to be very interesting when when I found this out because how many years ago now two. Uh, we've talked about it a couple of times how many times have we talked about the X the symbol of the X um, being one of the symbols of the future
2: yeah it's come up before there's a lot of pop culture references to the X as well that can be pointed out it, it, it appears a it seems like it's been appearing with more frequency i would
1: say absolutely i mean even before x-men became a popular movie it was a comic book for a long time but you know x-men you know it has this uh genetic cross species thing um you could look at it in a particular way of saying it, that they're X-Men, like, they're not men anymore. X, as in used to be. Right, yeah. Um, or it's, you know, the crossed man, the, the man who's been crossed species, the Wolverine, the man, he's X, he's crossed. Hmm. Um, if you go into the... Um, if you go into the uh, the thing that we posted there, I, I made a comment there. Uh, generally speaking, if you look into kind of whether it's you know kind of occult symbology books or dictionaries, um, uh, so, some Freemason stuff kind of talks about this. Um, but it really comes from the from Greece. Um, is the idea of X? It, it has always been the intersection of opposites. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's always been the the connection there. The um, like I said, with the with the Greek symbol, it actually symbolizes the merging of earth, wind, and earth, water, wind, and fire all the elements are merged. Mhm. Okay. And uh like you posted there on on the post uh, that part of the article where when you take two circles and you put two circles together it creates a, an X.
2: Right. Well, it's the uh vesico
1: Pisces. That's Capices um, worlds collide. Yeah.
2: Um
1: So what you get um what you get out of this symbolism is is a it's it's a hermaphroditic concept in in the very final end of it. A lot you know, the thing that you get with symbolism Um, especially when you read a lot of stuff is is a whole bunch of different meanings for something and um, yeah I I think in the end what you mostly get with a lot of these symbols is you get the same meaning it's oh two becomes one three becomes one the merging of opposites the um, the no, no matter what it is whether it's you know Jacob and Boaz or whatever you know the twin the twin towers uh, fall and become the one pillar it's all hermaphroditic concepts it's we're taking two things and we're getting rid of those two things and we're creating one thing out of the two things
2: now why so, does this keep coming up and we keep seeing this over and over is this is this because that is the, the ultimate goal is to do away with the sexes or it, for humanity entirely or what does it mean
1: um, I definitely think that that is a great possibility is to get rid of the old type and bring in the new type but it's also much more Like over, it's it's um, more overarching, to use a Masonic phrase. Um, In its scope, is it's talking about everything.
2: The sort of doing away with any any distinctions or differences, either as far as not only male and female but racial cultural um, all, everything that would make a distinction between one individual and another
0: it, yeah it it
1: would be i think one of one of the processes would to be would to be um, would be to get people to a point where they don't really and I think we're getting there they don't really care about um, they don't really care about anything being distinct Um, just to give a light example would be somebody who always wears black all the time there's a lot of people out there who do that besides Johnny Cash (laughs) Yeah, I, th- I think um, um, there's I, I noticed that black and gray uh, those are very popular colors for people to wear whether pants or shirts or whatever it's the absence of color of course gray is the point between light and darkness um, it's, a, it's It's almost a non-color and then black is the absence of color Or I'm sorry, black is black is the essence of color. White is the absence of color. Um, But you have this, um, you have these things that are kind of popularized, where it's not where. What am I trying to say? the distinctions that you want are going to they've changed so much um, to where people uh, well a lot of the distinctions people want like we were talking about uh, the other day privately was uh, distinctions uh, matter when it comes to um, when it comes to uh, technology So, uh, technology is important to have, you know, for people to have distinctions with, oh, I want a Mac. Oh, no, I'm a PC user, not a Mac user. I use an iPhone. No, I use an Android. Um, uh, we've got dialectics here, of course, playing in, but particular (laughs) distinctions, um, have been done away with for the most part. I notice this uh, when I go into grocery stores or when I go into shopping malls or something like that, it, <clears throat> excuse me, is I notice that songs, um, from, you know, they'll have, uh, they'll have songs from when I was growing up playing on a playlist inside the supermarket, uh, Trader Joe's in particularly because, <clears throat> Trader Joe's. Uh, I think they think they're kind of hip, and so I was noticing this uh, just the other day that they were actually playing Guns and Roses in Trader Joe's, and then the song that came after it was, um, you know, the song. The song came after it was like Whitney Houston. And and it was a you know it was a mishmash of all sorts of different uh, 80s songs, and these are songs that at the time they would never get played together ever. They would they wouldn't be on a radio station playing a Guns N' Roses song and a Whitney Houston song back to back, or even on the same radio station at all. And not that that matters, but I'm using this as a point to show you how, at some point, distinction kind of dies out; it fades away. And um, I, they were they were doing, you know, I mean, they were doing this on on radio. I'm just going to use that as the particular medium because it's what I can think of at the moment. But but um, but. Uh, I remember my dad saying this when, like, classic rock radio kind of started to take off. Uh, I remember they were, like, playing Journey on classic rock radio, and my dad hates Journey. (laughs) And so he was like... I I even remember him saying something like this. He's actually the one who hit me to this idea. He He said... He said, "Journey would never get played with Led Zeppelin on the radio. Never. I
2: don't
1: know. Back in his day. Well, yeah. It was. It was two distinct styles of music. Journey was a mainstream AOR record label band that would that was played on. You know, it. it, Journey would be, be. Journey would." be being played on the same radio station as Katy Perry and Britney Spears.
2: Yeah. Sort of light rock and there were those just, stations. Out. It,
1: mm-hmm. Well, it was it was just mainstream. It was just, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Just uh, mass appeal type rock.
2: Yeah, because I, I'm pretty sure that I can recall Journey being played with Led Zeppelin and so-called, you know, classic rock.
1: In no, that, my that, local no. Area. What, what I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is that your, your recollection of it is a nostalgic. It, it's by that time those bands had already moved into a nostalgia period. Oh yeah. So his time was yeah. So my dad, my dad was saying in the 1970s, in the late 70s, when you know Zeppelin was petering out, and Journey was, you know, on the rise. Those two, you know, those two types of music were were considered way different from each other.
2: I see, yeah, right.
1: Okay, so my dad would not be caught dead listening to Journey. That was not cool. So my my dad was saying like that, but see, like you're saying, and like I remember, is hey, Journey and Led Zeppelin get played on the same radio station. It's like no, no, they 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 didn't start out that way, and I, and so as as time goes on, people lose certain distinctions. Um, whether that's a good thing or the a bad thing is somebody. Somebody else besides me is going to have to decide um, whether it's you know okay to listen to Whitney Houston and Guns N' Roses. Um, it's, but that is a microcosm of the bigger picture of distinctions being done away with because it's in the end I don't see it as a good thing. In the in the big picture, on a small scope, distinctions don't really matter much. So you know, um, obviously, we you know Chris and I were just talking about listening to uh, cumbia music from Peru from the sixties. Um, I've never been to Peru, and I don't know anybody who's from Peru, but I like I like cumbia sixties music. Um, but on a larger scale, I see that those type of things, um, mainly one of the weaponized forms of it that has always been um, used on Americans in general is, it's a very generalized term, but it's variety. Variety, yeah. Variety was used, in the introduction of variety, but like we were talking about last week with freedom... It's through variety that you actually end up with a mishmash kind of uh, like you've talked about, gray goo.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The gray gooification of everything, culturally speaking. You have these stations now. I was I can't remember where I ran across it, but it was a station, and they would play stuff from an era with no regard for those genre classifications that you normally will run into. It wasn't easy listening. It wasn't rock. It was It was just, okay, here's music from this era, from the 80s or whatever. And it was like, uh, well, yeah, like you're talking about, oh, here's some Guns N' Roses. And by the way, here's some Whitney Houston to follow it up.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah the, and that's what I was saying while you were away. It's like that's what you run into in some of the supermarkets or the department stores is you'll hear this and um
2: but it's like this uh different classification of oh well this is a
1: era you know what i mean well we'll see first of all let's find you know people who have Chris.
2: I'm
1: here. Okay. I said, um, for people who haven't heard talks from a year or two years ago, um, I always like to reestablish this. You're born into your, your mass media, your mass culture. There's nothing you can do about it. You like what you like. That's what you grew up with. That's what you know. um, you probably can't really do anything about it. Um, there's certain things that you grow out of, um, as far as likes and dislikes and things like that. And there's certain things that you don't, um, you don't have to feel bad about it. If you grew up listening to hip hop music and you still like hip hop music, I personally tend to think that, um, definitely certain types of hip-hop music people should definitely be out outgrowing that type of stuff, or if you're listening to it, it should be from a um, a somewhat ironic perspective at this point. It's kind of like heavy metal, I feel the same way about it. Certain types of heavy metal, it's like, uh, if you're listening to that in, a, in an ironic way, then I think it's okay, but um, um, for the most part, you shouldn't be filling your mind with um, monotonous beats and super loud uh, over distorted guitars all the time I don't think that's healthy um, uh, In everything in moderation but at a certain level you have to come to the realization that, that there are things that are kind of designed and geared, geared towards young people and um and, and and you'll you'll even realize it like one one day you'll be listening to something and you're like this absolutely does not appeal to me at all anymore i don't think i can you know listen to this ever again um uh it's like with me i i definitely don't ever listen to rap music ever even though when i was younger i did listen to some wasn't my favorite thing in the world but there were some things that I did like but I, I would probably never put it on if, if I hear something I hear it I'm you know, i um, I'm getting neurotic about this now but, um, but anyways uh, it's so there's nothing you can really do about what you grew up with all you have to do is to be able to recognize to be self-aware, to be aware that that type of stuff was dished out to you. That's the first step, is, is being aware that your culture was dished out to you. And then filter through it, grow past it, understand it. Get to know what it is that... Um, get to understand um, certain ele- elements of mass culture, mass appeal, that type of stuff. Um, and it's like we've talked about before there's things that that go mass culture, mass media mass appeal and the reason that they do that a lot of the times uh, pop songs or something like that they get stuck in your head because there actually is an element to them that is good like there's something about the way the chord structure is all right, let's get but let's get back to the X and what uh, what we're seeing the kind of merging of everything into a mishmash kind of goo. How would you get? Yeah, how would you get that out of out of variety? You're thinking, well, variety is means that there's lots of different options, right?
0: Yeah.
1: right well see here's, here's the way it, it, it was set up and we can just look in hindsight and see that this is exactly what it did for the longest time this country was set up on the idea of variety and um, for a good portion of people not all people but we have the richest poor people in the world here Mm
0: -hmm.
1: okay so even poor people have a cell phone even poor people have $300 sunglasses and things like this um so we so what 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 was happening around the time of the 1950s which we we always come back to the 50s that you know if, if you if you look at the 1950s based off of the technology that we allegedly have mm-hmm. we we should have been we should have already colonized the planets by the 70s based on what uh... what we're told what we're told based on what we're told based on the lifestyles uh, people were leading in the 1950s based off of uh, the jobs, the the um, the wealth per capita, the, uh, you know, all that type of stuff. But see, here, here's what they did, and they did this on purpose. And then you can go look at some sort of, like, um establishment um, MIT economic guy uh, from the time period his name is John Kenneth Galbraith he wrote a book called The Affluent Society Um, and then there's all sorts of books that we've read from um, you know even last week and before and I believe that a good part of the reason those books were published was to uh, was to purposely destroy the ideas that had all been built up because they didn't need them anymore the only reason they gave everybody variety or gave everybody all that type of stuff was they needed it for a particular time period and even though we still have a remnants of what that was um and, and, you know, consumer culture, you know, conspicuous consumers and all that type of stuff uh, obviously still exists. Um, it, it's not working in the same way that it was, say, in the 1950s and 60s. And then the conflict was created on purpose, they, you know, and mainly appealing to um, affluent college kids, telling them they were bad for being, you know, raised in a, you know, four-bedroom house or something. And the goal was to break all of that, those ideas down. And to create a dialectic out of it. And a more, a more, um, a more raging dialectic than it kind of existed before. Um, I think what had happened was, and this is a very interesting shift, a very interesting change, um, especially with what we kind of focused on last week. You see, in terms of like socialism or, you know, labor unions or all that, it was mainly kind of relegated to the political. Uh, you know, to the political realms or to um, kind of the mob versus the robber baron types.
2: Which used then, to be kind of like instead of having let the left and the right at each other's throats, you had more of uh, an acknowledgement that, yeah, there is this completely a separate class of people from the average person, and they uh, are to blame for these societal ills or w- whatever that used to enter in discussion. That doesn't really enter into the discussion so much more anymore, does it?
1: Not, no, not
2: entirely. But see, um, you're for actually like, right. Uh, Occupy Wall Street or something, but they're considered would be left-wing fringe, right?
1: Well, see, here's where something got redirected, right around the time of the counterculture and all that type of stuff. You see, it all got shifted away from looking at it from that, and it all got directed towards your parents,
2: mm. yeah,
1: and and the family, and the guy next door, and you know, even the Occupy Wall Street. What, what is Occupy Wall Street? Oh, it's those those evil stockbrokers.
2: Yeah, not the <laughs> run to show at the top, but the stock, yeah, the stockbrokers.
1: It's the greedy stockbroker who has a house in the Hamptons.
2: Well, no, they have, like, 40 houses all over the place. Some of these right. guys. Have you uh, ever I'm looked sure. into some of that? It's just, like, you got to wonder, like, what the hell is going on? Like, how does this dude have, like, you know, 50 houses? But, yeah, it's not just a stockbroker.
1: Right. Crazy. Well we won't digress off into this but come on we know the I mean the stock the stock market when it comes to the well if anybody's not really aware uh, you know the Dow Jones industrial is what only the top 30 stocks or whatever so you know what um, it whatever I, I don't even want to get into that type of stuff but see, it's all manipulated. It's all run by intelligence agencies. Um, I'm not saying that just off the cuff. I mean, the example we brought up before in the past, in fact, I brought this up when we were talking about CIA chefs, that Martha Stewart actually used to sit on the board of the, of the uh, stock exchange um, at the same time that Richard Grasso did. And Richard Grasso was a CIA guy who just happened to run the stock exchange.
2: Yeah, just what does the CIA, what the hell would the CIA have to do with the stock exchange? Right. But, uh, there you go.
1: Yeah, so, so, um, so yeah, I'm sure there are stock, you yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no doubt there's stockbrokers who own 40 houses or whatever it is, but yeah, they're, intelligence assets and then you know there's always I mean I've got the, the book over there on the shelf The House of Morgan written by Ron Chernow who is the biographer for all the robber barons and um, and Alexander Hamilton Alexander Hamilton too he wrote Titan about John D. Rockefeller he wrote House of Morgan and he wrote he wrote another one can't remember what the other family maybe it was the Warburgs. Um, Anyways, uh, it talks about how when J.P. Morgan died, he was only, you know, he only had a couple million dollars. Hmm. And that's because he was basically a Rothschild frontman.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. You know this uh, Warren is it Warren? I think it's Warren Buffett.
1: Warren Buffett. Have
2: you ever seen uh, his house and stuff where he lives? It's like it's totally nondescript. It's not. It, it, so you think this guy's a billionaire and he lives in a house? Yeah, like I remember.
1: That car, a car like that. We talked about that before. Yeah, I remember Marcus used to think he was an actor.
2: Well, I think he's right. Yeah, I think Marcus is right on that. Um, it's, he's a front
1: man of some sort. Yeah, he's something, and then, like, there's this, there's this kind of script, there's this script that, you know, he's just, but the reason, uh, it's such a complex thing to try to explain, I can see it, I can see it crystallized in my mind, but I don't know how to articulate it, it's like, okay, so he's this bazillionaire, right? And he lives in like this little house in Cleveland that he's lived in like his you know forever
2: which could be true I mean I, I, I don't think that rules that out because he's a billionaire but uh, it, it's, it looks funny
1: but it's part of a script that's kind of appealing to the little man you know that there's like there's like a humble type thing attached to it it's like um jimmy was it jimmy swagger who used to drive a volkswagen bus his entire life jimmy swagger did yeah Yeah, jim was it jimmy swagger or jerry falwell i can't remember which one of them did but like the he bought like a beetle like in the 60s and he drove it his entire uh you know the entire length of his uh, of his uh, being a preacher. Yeah, and it was to show how humble he was that he wasn't letting the money. You know, um, he wasn't going out and making all these big purchases like you know Jim Baker or the rest of them. He was gonna he he figured out this this uh, this con whereby have by driving a beetle. Um, he was going to show how humble he was, right? It's funny he chose the Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Which is uh, what is it, the, pe- the people's car, the, pe- or something? the people's car, the the folks, the, the Volkswagen, the um. Yeah, so, so yeah, this is. I mean, this is this is an old con where you have these guys. They know it's part of the game. They know it's part of their um, lifetime actor type thing. I mean, I'm sure Warren Buffett's quite comfortable in his, you know, little uh, craftsman house in uh, Ohio or whatever it is he lives in. His craftsman bungalow, but um, but it's. It's part of a script. Uh, it's part of a, of an appeal to someone to like who looks into Warren Buffett and look because that's what those guys are out there are, are put out there for. You know, they're they're just like any other self help guru. They're they're put out there to to keep the person like you or me striving to to become like that. And then there's, there's a certain type of person who will look at someone like Warren Buffett and kind of justify certain things in their life to be able to get to that next level, just within their own life, whatever it may be. Um, by looking at it from a humble perspective yeah
2: practical or
1: yeah practical type exactly hmm. i think yeah, makes the, sense. I, th- I think one of the stories with warren buffett is is that like he he has a very regimented um, schedule where he like eats the same breakfast every day to gets the you know like, he reads, he, he reads the paper in this amount of time, and then he, you know, does whatever he does, right? Oh, uh, yeah. It's
2: exactly the opposite of... Maybe that's why I'm broke. But, like...
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, no, but, it's. But, yeah, real quick, you got Bill Gates, which is, okay, he's regarded as one of the richest men on the planet, which is an absolute total load of bullcrap, but... Now his house is this completely decked out, and I think the I think there's um, there's an aspect of the, the, the sort of the flip side of this, where a lot of people pay attention to that. I know that I'm I I myself, am, I was interested in Bill Gates' house. I went and looked it up. Like, well, well, okay, what is this guy? Where does he live? And I and I'll catch myself doing that from time to time. Like, um, uh, what's the guy? joni ives the apple industrial designer lead designer i mean uh i was interested okay does he what kind of house would he live so i looked it up and it's like okay so it's a million dollar house and blah 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 people are interested in that i think it's it's something that we've kind of been conditioned to be interested in that um in general i'm not saying everybody uh but I i think it's um well, there was a te- long-running television show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Oh, come and look at the houses that the rich folks see how the rich folks live. Everybody look at it, you know. And uh, so they'd go, oh, yeah, then there was a M- MTV Cribs, right. So, yeah, I-, I definitely think that that's part of the uh, role as a lifetime actor is like what house they live in what's their what's their lifestyle okay but then you go to bill you go check out bill Gates' house and then it's like of course it's going to be totally outfitted with all the latest tech and gadgetries and all of that to get you into that sort of thing get your mindset in that sort of thing so that you're a lot of people uh Look up to Bill Gates. Oh, like a, aspire to be like him. So it's it's like with that status, with that set in place, it's almost like, well, it's not almost like. I think it's it's this is very well established already, especially in our culture. It's like their their life is sort of a walking billboard for certain things. So they could be like a just their presentation. As this persona, this public figure, in and of itself is an advertisement to sell you ideas, to sell you products, to sell you um, lifestyle choices, all this other stuff. Of course, I mean, this is nothing new that I'm bringing up here, but I just thought I'd throw that out there in, uh, in this context.
1: Yeah, I actually um, used to be acquainted with someone who worked at Microsoft in Seattle. Um, Just someone who uh, was a family member, was a family member of someone I was acquainted with. And I remember uh, people would, um, I remember the first time the person came up to me and said, uh, oh, I'm visiting. I said, oh, were you visiting from He said, I'm visiting from Seattle. I said, "Oh yeah." So, yeah, I work for Bill Gates. Uh-huh. I said, "Oh, really?" And you didn't really work for Bill Gates. You just worked at Microsoft in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, right. But it, it's, you know, it's kind of a, a thing. Go ahead.
2: Well, no, I I just uh well, you know, we were on the subject. well I, I brought up uh, uh, jo- Joni Ives the, guy, the, the designer at Apple. So, it, I think what's got me kind of on this kick too, like looking this type of stuff up, is uh, you know we're, we're talking about architecture, and we had that call with uh, with Frank and then Scott uh, Onstott and Frank Elbow, and uh, it. I was I was surprised about you know, what what kind of house he lives. In. You're thinking, okay, so he's sort of known as the you know designer for Apple computers, which is as far as the approach to design is very, um, I guess, like along the lines of like Bauhaus or like like stuff we, we brought up before. Uh, uh, what's that guy's Dieter uh, uh, that came up the the Braun? Uh, product line. I think Apple is like very heavily influenced on that, which I think is like goes back to like the the Bauhaus. It's kind of the stripped down, kind of utilitarian type approach to design aesthetic, yeah, where functional. it's like yeah, functional over you know ornamentation, ornamentation. And stuff. Yeah. And uh, but go look up his house, and it's like okay, how does his house even remotely reflect that? Because he's he's a, I think he's a the guy's a Brit. And then his choice of house is sort of like the I would gather sort of the opposite of that. It's not really I would expect him to be kind of in a, at least something like more like a Frank Lloyd Wright inspired type design or something. But no, it's like a sort of like a, the traditional trappings of wealth and stuff. The ornamentation of stuff sort of evocative of uh, royalty, you know. Victorian era royalty stuff like that to one degree or another not full blown but the standard wealthy individuals home which i thought was sort of a interesting contrast in what he's known for as far as his design aesthetic and the the house he chooses to live in which may not be his house i don't know you can't go off of necessarily what you see out there but uh what exactly does that mean? I don't I don't know, but it's um, I just thought it was interesting, you know. Like uh, also t- just taking into account that, uh, yeah, it, people do pay attention to that celebrity homes and all of that. Look how Trump Donald Trump
1: like look at his uh, apartment. Well, I was gonna, well, I was going to say like. A lot of these people have no taste. They don't yeah, even like, know. I, I didn't
2: think like uh, that. The Apple designers is like is that how? That's his house. It doesn't even. It, it, it looks like something like pretty standard, you know, just run mm-hmm. of the mill. You know, it's not.
1: Yeah. All right. Check this. Check this. Ready? Okay. Are right. You're at the computer, obviously.
2: Generic rich guy's house, right, i I'll, say.
1: But yeah, what, okay. I will. I'll I'll, I'll hit you to some. I'll hit you to something. I don't even think I've ever talked about this on a call before. Um, but since we're just having kind of a free flow discussion, no no topic, just general here. Um, all right, look this up. Look up the Fleur de Lis Mansion in in Beverly Hills. You want me to
2: just
1: look at the pictures? Okay. So first of all, I've been to this place okay um and it was funny when they told me um I don't actually know whose wedding it was I've tried my best to find out who it was from what I recollect it was Nick the, the guy's name was Nick and he was some sort of producer he was some sort of music producer um, it was a guy I had never heard of total behind the scenes guy and when I was doing ice deliveries I made a delivery to this mansion this fleur-de-lis mansion they had rented it out for this wedding hmm. wow. okay. right and so I went in and my boss said okay you're going to be taking two truckloads you're going to deliver one truckload that you're going to come back fill up the truck again and then take it back to this mansion for this huge massive party he's all this is the most expensive house in Beverly Hills I said wow and I was like so you know I'm, I'm pretty familiar I was like oh I thought Aaron Spelling's house was the most expensive house which actually Aaron Spelling's house is down the street from this one um, and he said, "No, this house just recently sold for like, you know, 150 million dollars or something crazy, right?" So what? This is like three or four years ago now. This is this is a while back. So I show up to this place, and you show up to the to the door to where the security is going to let you in, and there is a white horse. This is a white horse, uh, like the, like the one at the Denver airport.
2: <laughs> really? Like, uh, that uh, what do they call it? Lucifer. Yeah. but they, they painted them blue, but big, giant horse sculpture like that.
1: Big, big, giant white horse of the apocalypse right out front of the gate, right? Oh. And so I'm all, oh, I'm all, oh, that's pretty funny. Um. So, anyways, I go inside. There wasn't any other occult symbolism or anything. In fact, it's the ugliest house, the stupidest house I've ever seen. Yeah, looking at it, all it, time. it is it is the epitome of just mishmash. It, it's like it'd be like um, it's like a, an Italian villa mixed with. Um, an English manor with Roman columns with Mediterranean pools. Yeah. Right?
2: Right. Looking at pictures
1: of it. <clears throat> yeah, I just remember like going into that place and I'm like, oh man, this is this is this is stupid. This is the stupidest house I've ever seen. But see the funniest thing is a lot of the a lot of those houses especially out here in California like they're just the they're just the worst they're just the worst monstrosities you've ever seen in your life
2: yeah it's all this um all this extraneous ornamentation and everything uh, it's
1: just yeah really but it's ornamentation for the sake of ornamentation. It's not anything. It's not anything trying to emit beauty. It's it's um, it's something trying to kind of show you how rich <laughs> how rich you are.
2: Yeah, I'm really 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 rich, and I don't have any real taste. Anything. It, it's yeah, and this is just this times ten, whatever you can think of. Like this is that times ten. Like this is like. I'm sure there's bigger, more ridiculously over the top places, but this is pretty, pretty extreme example.
1: Yeah. So this party that I delivered to um, when I went there, I'll just tell this funny this funny story. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not a Carlos Santana fan, you know, um, I mean, I mean, he's a decent guitar player, but he's, he's not, I'm not going to go put a Santana record on. Let's just say that. Mm Um, um, uh, but this is, this is pretty interesting. So I'm, I'm loading up the ice and then I hear like a band sound checking and it's like, you know, I mean, there's this massive field, There's just this massive lawn and I hear a band sound checking or whatever. And I even like kind of subconsciously like like hear the guitar playing and kind of recognize something about it or whatever. And then I see this guy come walking over and I'm like Hey, that guy looks like Carlos Santana. But I didn't think anything of it. And any time I've ever been out and I've you know, maybe run into celebrities or something i've never said anything don't i don't acknowledge celebrities i don't talk to them or anything like that
2: a cool thing to say though in case you do feel like saying something is like hey has anybody ever told you you look just like carlos santana
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so it was pretty funny he's like he's like getting some water at the refreshment table and this guy who's like walking around with me he comes over and he says it like really loud and I felt really embarrassed after this I wanted to like tell the guy to shut up he's all dude you know who that is that's Carlos Santana over there I'm like I'm all I, I told him all yeah everybody knows now <laughs> um, but it, it was um, it was just funny because this guy whoever this record producer was a Apparently, I had to come back the next day too, because um, they had an after—they had a day after party as well. This guy was telling me that Katy Perry and Lady Gaga all sang songs, and this was just like a backyard party
2: for like a wedding or something. Somebody yeah, rented, for, rented that place out just to have this big shindig. Uh, wedding yeah, this
1: possession. this. this, this this music producer guy who i never found out what his name was his name all i all i know is his name was nick something i remember the guy telling me who it was i said yeah i never heard of that guy i don't know and he's like yeah he's like a big he's like a big deal there's gonna be like everybody in the music industry is gonna be here tonight and i was like good i'm not i'm glad i don't have to make any more deliveries but the um but, yeah, it was basically like you're throwing a backyard party and you got Carlos Santana and Katy Perry and Lady Gaga playing your backyard party. How much
2: ice did he bring there? Like, was it... Shit
1: um, ice or? hold on, let, let me think about it. Um. The first delivery... Okay, so it would have... Total, my... On my shift, I, I think some guys went back at night. I delivered two hundred bags, two hundred forty-pound bags of ice to that party.
2: And you bring it in bags? I guess yeah, you have to bring in bags. Two
1: hundred forty-pound bags of ice.
2: Even the elite parties use bag ice. It's universal. <laughs> 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 that's
1: that's how you know they're not elites, Chris. They were having if you'd make a delivery to your, their house with bagged ice <laughs> you know that you know that the Rockefellers aren't having any bagged ice in their in their glasses of water now.
2: What are they like an iceberg iceberg <laughs> shipped in or something? Like real, <laughs> like the <real> parties.
1: <laughs> they have a taste they have a, they have a taste tester taste tester for the ice which uh, each piece of yeah which we've t- we've talked about that before that uh, allegedly the Rockefellers have, have guys who taste test their food which uh, allegedly the royalty does as well still to this day
2: is that so they don't get poisoned is that the idea or
1: that's that's the idea I guess
2: I always think of that Greek guy who uh Made himself immune to poison. Who was that? It, it
1: was it Hippocrates. Yeah, isn't there a story of the? That's how the Medici guy got poisoned. Was the or no the Borgia the the po, the Borgia pope? Yeah, well, that's guess, that's how the that's how okay. that's the story of how the po, the the pope borgia got poisoned was that they had these monks who were trained to be the taste testers for him and then they had a conspiracy against the borgia pope and what they did was they trained the taste tester guy to gradually to build become their immunity to, to toxins to the yeah, to the toxin, so that when he drank the drink, he didn't keel over dead right away. He still died, but he didn't keel over dead immediately. And then, which gave enough time for the pope to drink the drink, and then he uh, he died.
2: But apparently, you can build up your tolerance enough to where you can like drink like arsenic that would kill five, ten other people. Boom! Right. Like that one story goes, but yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah, taste testers aren't foolproof folks, so, <laughs> yep, taste tester. <laughs> <Okay>.
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, so the, um, so yeah, California and other areas of the country, as we've talked about before, is just littered with, I mean, just littered with serious, just, just, just the worst the worst stuff to look at it's just it's awful
2: i think i agree i don't
1: i don't think don't, that uh
2: that's uh, appealing
1: at all the, mo- just, yeah. the modern the modern world the modern shopping mall the modern all this stuff i mean it's just it's garbage it's just total garbage um but yeah remember oh speaking of Check one. I think we talked about this before. How um, can you hear me?
2: You cut out for a second. Yeah, I can hear you now.
1: I said, speaking of Bill Gates, remember Bill Gates um, allegedly had that um, technology in his house way back in the '90s, where when you walked in a room, like the he he had like big like flat screen, like the walls are giant flat screens.
2: I think I remember something like that. Yeah.
1: His, but Yeah, his, ima- the four imagine the screens imagine, were mainstream. Yeah, rem- okay, so imagine you walk in a room and the walls are television screens, right? Okay. And the walls would change according to mood. Oh, really? All right. Right. And um, so the environment was shifting. It was kind of like um what it was, was basically, back in the 90s, Bill Gates had a smart house already. Mm, right, yeah. And these smart houses are getting pushed all over the place. Um, like I said, with my reintroduction to some selected television shows um, and, and movies, uh, smart houses are being pushed all over movies.
2: Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Well, now it's um, they have the uh, what's the thing called? I don't know Adam Curry pimps that thing where he talks. You talk to it, and you tell it, "Oh yeah, play uh, play oh, yeah, Alexa, Santana or something." Alexa Jones. Them. Yeah. Ale- oh yeah, Alexa Jones. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. I don't think the real thing. Alexa. At you, though.
1: But it's Alexa. Yeah, it's, uh, and um, there's another one too.
2: Well, you get one of those, and then you get the smart home kit now, and you can deck your house out with the smart
1: thing. Yeah, but Bill Gates had it first. Yeah. and and the way they always, always, still to this day try to sell this thing, just like they're 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 trying to sell the microchip again. The microchips back in the news again. Good. They're getting chipped. The- getting chipped. Yeah, getting shipped to go to work, right? This is back in the news, and it's funny. I, I might, I might do this. I might do a little, a little research bit and go back and look at these uh, news clips because I was doing this the other day. Um. Uh. But anyways, the way they always love to sell the smart house is, um. Chris goes away on a trip. He leaves. You know. He's going to Wichita Falls, and oh shit, did I leave the lights on?
2: Ah,
1: yeah, OCD. OCD, Did you really leave those on, or did you? Did you you leave the lights on? Oh, I don't know. Well, you know what? The good thing about it is, is I can turn the lights off from my from my smartphone.
2: So that you're seeing this in film.
1: Well, com- commercials. Uh, one of the recent ones I saw was that mo- was that show, uh, Mister Robot, the second season. The it revolves around um, them breaking into a lady's house, and she has a full, complete smart house. And what they do is they hack her smart house.
2: I saw that episode. Yeah, that was interesting that's how they get into her house because they hacked her smart house. So yeah. So they just, like, uh, go to their house and it's, uh, everything's open. they are welcome. And it's they hacked. Which is, um... That's an interesting thing, too, because as you're getting introduced to this technology, they have these, um... things in the news that come out, too, or that are suggestive of it is, like, oh, hackers can hack your car and run you into a telephone pole or something like that or um it, or that example that you just gave there where it's like they're showing you in a fiction fictional account where it's like oh well these <laughs> things can be bad
1: <laughs> the hacker yeah the big one was when that mercedes benz came out in like 2013 where it introduced that um and all the cars have it now the new ones where it's that um if you get too close to another car, like the car takes control.
2: The, oh yeah, yeah. That that's almost well, I wouldn't say standard, but that's that's commonplace. Yeah. now, where it's like semi driverless, mm-hmm. which is yeah, I think it, is bad. It's like why it's why would you want that? Where it's like okay, is it autonomous or not or it's in between, so I think yeah. As this stuff goes in between this uh, mm-hmm. transitionary phase, but, that it's like yeah, it's all this shit. I think it's actually dangerous, and the real dangers are being downplayed in the news. The actual dangers and the, the yeah, shit and then, they're telling you. Yeah, and what? Is what they'll shit do? And,
1: and then what they'll do is they'll give you some some story <laughs> like. Um, but, you know, re- rethinking about it just right now, because we've talked about this one in the past, because you-, you brought up how the, you know, you brought up how the guy, when he's getting interviewed, the television director has the pet goat, but the Michael Hastings, you know, speaking of uh, Hollywood, a um, couple of days later, I was just driving down that street after that guy allegedly got killed on that, uh, on that stretch of street right there on Highland Avenue, where he allegedly got this- into, but then Jones was push, pushing the line that the CIA hacked into his car right and killed him right Yeah that's been The interesting thing was out there yeah definitely Yeah he he was driving like one of those new Mercedes I was thinking well I wonder if that was like kind of a native ad for those Mercedes benzes um <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, obviously, I don't think that guy got killed. Um, just my own personal view after kind of looking into that and the hype surrounding it. and um, with nonsense. Uh, um, But this idea was being pushed out there, like you said, and, and all the news stories surrounding it at the time, um, which is, you know, one thing. Uh, uh, from from time to time is yeah can you hear me
2: yeah you are starting to break up
1: mm-hmm. right. i know i heard it um yeah one thing we've talked about from time to time is just all of a sudden out of nowhere in the news you know just all these explosions start happening all over the place right oh yeah we haven't even talked about that yeah what it's, um so, uh, so so yeah so there's so there's that, and then all of a sudden all in the news is um uh you know, animals escaping from you know, animals getting killed at zoos or, you know, something having to do with the zoos all popping up at the same time, right? Um yeah. and 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 so um right around this time that this guy allegedly got killed there was all these stories about oh, people can hack into your car, right? You remember that at Before the time. Before Michael was just,
2: Hastings allegedly got allegedly yeah. killed, and then there were there have, there were coming out with stories about was just, hacking your car. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, Stories on top of story on top of story about oh, people can hack into your car. You're, you, you know, they can take over your car while you're driving, and oh, you know whoop-de-doo, biz-bang-boom, well, we've got this story where this guy, you know, he just happened to be in one of these new Mercedes, and yeah, uh, the conspiracy theory is that the CIA hacked into it and crashed his car, or whatever, or, you know, blew it up, or whatever they did, right? And, um, so yeah, you see all these things in the news, they'll come out all at the same time, but, um, and in entertainment as well, is, like I'm talking about, is, I'm seeing a lot more of the smart, it it isn't just that, um, that people, like, you know, a lot of times you're watching these movies now, I know you know what I'm talking about, and you're watching, you're watching a movie where people are texting each other in the movie.
2: In the actual theater or in the movie itself?
1: No, in the movie itself. Okay. Like, like the, the, you know, in these movies and, and it's like The dialogue is taking place on the text In that Mr. Robot show It's like that too Yeah,
2: yeah Where it's a close-up of the phone screen And then a text mm-hmm. And then another text And then there's also like uh, Something I saw I think it's a YouTube Something or another I kept, They kept advertising it to me for some reason But it was Short stories that are just that Texts, honestly, I said, "What the hell is this? What this, this is stupid?" But it was like, "Yeah, that." Oh, short stories, but they present them to you in a text screen format. It's really odd. It's that's
1: pretty funny. Cool. It's such yes. a
2: cultural thing now. Where I I don't relate to it because I don't I don't I don't get into the texting that much. I get into messaging, but not the texting. But
1: anyway. Dark. No, yeah And so now now You know, in these movies There's more of this other smart technology Being integrated into the Into the um, Into these movies To kind of Acclimate you I, I think people I mean, we've heard about this stuff for a long time But now I think Kind of getting ready to Kind of implement I, I, I guarantee you there's people out there Who already have smart houses
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's it, like I said. You can go get something right now. You could probably spend like three hundred bucks to get your uh, your your home converted into smart quote unquote home.
1: Yeah, we were we were driving through this neighborhood the other day, um, going to a friend's house, and it was a uh, I'd never been over to these people's house before, and I saw this kind of this sign out in front of their neighbor's house and it's it said powered by Intelli house Wow. i was like okay that's probably a smart house i'm also you know you remember you remember like people you know outside their house it'll say like protected by brinks or something
2: uh, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah so now people have like powered by intella house or you know whatever so um so yeah, that, that's an interesting, um, interesting little transition there. But uh, but yeah, we were uh, talking about um, for a while there explosions, just explosion after explosion, just all over the place. And what there was this more recent one was in, uh, I can't remember, was it in Missouri? And they had a gas explosion, and the interesting thing was is, uh, Chris, you, you found a, um, Mythbusters where a gas explosion doesn't actually look like what these houses explode. When, When they explode, they don't actually look like these splintered, um, you know, just pile of rubble if it's a gas explosion, huh?
2: Well, no, and they went through all the different uh, yeah, effort to go through to make this house explode. And they couldn't do it. They Well, they could make... What ended up happening? Like, it blew out part of a wall or something?
1: Yeah, it just blew the side of a wall out. And the windows, and I think, were...
2: It blew yeah, the wind, some of the windows out, not all of them. It was, like, really underwhelming. But they had pumped in gas and done all kinds of crazy stuff to make it blow up, and they
1: couldn't do it. On, on its face, it's BS, dude. You know how drafty every... I mean, house, houses have drafts. Um, there's... there's, um, uh, I mean you would have to have an air pretty airtight apartment which i'm I'm not saying they don't exist but a lot of these houses that these um, things allegedly uh, explode in they're kind of older single-family homes
2: you, you know what's interesting on this not to divert off but um okay there was that movie the fight club i just recently read that book it's like a real short read it's like a it's like, I don't think it's like 100-some pages. It's, it's double-spaced text. It's almost like a pamphlet that you can read it in a couple of settings. Uh, I, I went back and read it because of other stuff I was reading. And that's kind of a central point of the plot where his apartment gets blown up. But the description of his apartment kind of is it, it's interesting it, on the subject because it... it 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 describes this particular building being one of these concrete reinforced ones that are kind of higher end where you're paying more money but you don't hear your neighbor's stereo at three o'clock in the morning and it has these uh, thick reinforced concrete walls and it it kind of like was the setup to the idea that this dude could blow up his apartment with a gas uh, setting up some kind of thing where he would leave and then Blow up his own apartment, or it, you have to kind of be familiar with the story to, to that part of it. But the point is that it was it was this description of his particular condo or whatever that it, it was um, sort of hermetically sealed in the, it, 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 because of the nature of that particular building. But it was interesting how that was all kind of like um, it's set up
1: in the storyline yeah exactly I mean I'll give, I'll give you an example um, you leave uh, the gas on in your house let's just say you um, you leave a burner on and there's no flame right yeah so you got
2: natural gas coming
1: into your house mm-hmm now, let's say you walk in the house, you know, you leave, you leave the, the burner on, you walk in the door, you smell gas, you're like, oh my gosh, there's gas. Uh, you run into the kitchen and you turn the gas off. Here's the thing. If you light a match, your house is not going to go up in flames like in a movie.
2: Probably not.
1: No. No. The air is not going to ignite.
2: No, <laughs> and that's what they went into. Now it's MythBusters, so we know it's okay propaganda. But uh, on the other hand, too, I you know I've seen I, it's like one of my probably favorite television shows. Like on as far as television shows go, I don't have TV, but I've, I've back when I used to watch TV, I'd always watch that, and uh, they, you know I think a lot of their Experiments and stuff are fairly straightforward and pre- pretty much, um, generally speaking, f- fairly fairly honestly presented. I think, uh, of course, de- definite notable exceptions to that. You know, the moon being major one, but and then the one I did a video on about the lasers bouncing off the moon—that was total misrepresented. You know, for an agenda purposes, obviously. But anyway, I think that one where they try to blow up a house was fairly uh, above board, you know, as far as like what what would go into actually. And then, you, but one thing that we're talking about, oh, you know, you got to get the proper mixture of the 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 gas to to oxygen, which is not easy to do, apparently, according to that, and which I think is an accurate representation.
1: Yeah, it, it would be really hard to do it.
2: But, you know, this is in the news, and, like, uh, I, po- I posted uh, some of those articles a while back, and uh, and it's still, you're seeing this, like, one recent one uh, you sent to me about some school.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Some Part of a school exploded in Missouri.
2: <laughs> Just blows yeah. up. And... And, and the they say it's gas. Stuff, and they say it's gas, but the but the damage, I, I've seen these like the, and the ones I posted is like okay, this house, not this particular example of this school, but this other house, okay, this is blown to freaking splinters. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like, just not not too many pieces that are bigger than. Uh, a, a fence post, like it's just yeah. totally obliterates the house.
1: Yeah, I and remember like, Tim. Tim used to post them on Fakeologist too, because I guess they would have them up in Canada there frequently too. And he's kind of the one who got me started on, uh, looking at these because uh, he would post the pictures on on his posts, and and it would it would make me crack up because the house is, like, shredded. It's like, it's like shredded, it's like shredded wheat.
2: Yeah, yeah it's like it was, a, I don't want to say controlled, but some kind of controlled demolition where it's like, whatever technique is being done, it's like, done with the purpose of, yeah, we don't want any piece bigger than X amount that can be easily loaded into the truck and carted off. It's, it's definitely, no doubt about it, some kind of, uh, control demolition
1: thing. It, it, there was an, there was yeah. another one. There was that one in Baltimore. Um, you know, and they said that they said that some guy had um, you know some guy had a stockpile of ammunition in his uh, in his garage, and that's what blew the house up because. <laughs> You know, if you've got bullets laying around, then that's going to make your house explode. Obviously.
2: And there's like, realistically, there's like no way in hell that it's, it's not gonna, impossible. No, it's not. You could throw bullets. Not that I've ever done that. Not that I suggest that anybody else listening would ever do it. But you know, throw a bullet into a fire, or it's like you can't even get the damn thing to blow up in a in a raging fire like um, no uh, shotgun shell or something
1: you know it's like the the um, the just so everybody knows the gunpowder inside of a gun uh, or inside of a, a bullet shell that fires a bullet is designed to burn up instantly to cause the ignition to propel the bullet out of the gun. And the and the bullet being
2: in a uh, in the barrel of the gun when he, when the round gets chambered it's 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 you know partially into the barrel of the gun which it concentrates the explosion. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. But but see you know you, you, you realize what we've been raised on we've been raised on watching at least our generation. Uh, a lot of people who are still watching television and believing this stuff, they've seen the cartoons where Elmer Fudd is hunting Daffy Duck and Daffy Duck gets, like, a a barrel of powder. And as Elmer Fudd is walking around looking for him, um, Daffy Duck puts the barrel of powder in Elmer Fudd's jacket pocket without Elmer Fudd knowing about it so he's walking, leaving a trail of powder behind him and then once he gets far enough away, he lights a match and uh, the fire goes all the way you know, down and over the hill and blows Elmer Fudd up right?
2: Which is not representational <laughs> of actual
1: Physics by the way. <laughs> it's like that one it's it's like when um, Benjamin Netanyahu at the UN was talking about um, terrorism and he held up that picture of of a bomb. Of a cartoon bomb, you remember that? Uh, can't recollect that. Did, did you receive <laughs> You have to look you have to look that up. Look up like Netanyahu at UN with Cartoon Bomb. And he's literally got one of those—a picture of like a Looney Tune, like Acme, like bowling ball with a wick on the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was the
2: point of that?
1: Uh, he was—I ta- can't—I can't remember. He's talking about terrorism and that you know terrorism, terrorists are gonna blow some stuff up, and he holds up this picture of. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: i was just oh. looking at. It. <laughs> uh, of course it's gotta, like a
1: meme or people have changed it oh I'm sure I'm sure yeah it's I mean well you got to speak in language that everybody's you know it's like Malcolm X said it's like Malcolm X said before uh, before um it goes into the first riff of Cult of Personality by Living Color. we got to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand.
2: There's first one where uh, somebody took it and then they have, a, have his face charred and his hair is all sticking up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, he was able to get away. I mean, he was able to actually get that. The, the picture the prop of that bomb from Warner Brothers because the, the Jews run Hollywood yeah right right <laughs> the Warner Brothers were Jewish so he was able to actually get lent an actual real Warner Brothers cartoon bomb
2: let it never be again said that we don't ever
1: talk about the Jews I know I mean jeez. I mean we I I acknowledge that's the reason Netanyahu had the picture of that bomb because the Jews were in Hollywood
2: yeah I want to write it down too. the Jews (laughs) run Hollywood
1: the um okay
2: before I forget I was going to bring this up um what was I going to say? Uh, uh, well, this is not. This is kind of a previous topic we were on before, but about the microchip. And I think it kind of goes in line with the stuff. But anyway, you talk about predictive programming in film. I, I can't recall. I was going to ask you this. Have you ever seen in a film. With a portrayal of an embedded microchip in somebody's hand, in some future utopia, dystopia, or whatever, portrayed in film, I can't recall ever seeing that actual exact depiction of the future. But there, hmm. but with that said, there is all kinds of stuff that's analogous to that from a technological point of view. Like, uh, I, just one quick example would be like. Minority report, where everywhere he goes, he's getting a retinal scan, and they're showing mm-hmm. that like that's going to be in the future, and that's how you're going to be identified. And but it, I just think they, it's they're, noteworthy that there, there, to my recollection, no actual straightforward depictions of an implanted chip.
1: Yeah. Um. There's a couple of different things. I would have to say um, that might be a reason for that. Um, uh, Jacques Attali wrote a follow-up to Millennium um, a couple of years ago, maybe 2009. Um, Jacques Attali wrote a book. I can't remember what it's called. I remember I skimmed through it. I couldn't, for some reason it was kind of boring to me. But I remember that he he in that book talks about that because of because of Christianity and Islam that it would be hard to sell Middle Easterners and Christians um, that it would be hard to sell the Middle East and America on the idea of implanted microchips because of because of the religious aspect of it.
2: Yeah, in the passage in uh, is it in Revelation chapter yeah. thirteen? I think that goes into the saying hand aspect. in the, for-
1: yeah, the right hand on the forehead and and for many 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 years um evangelical Christianity has played up this idea of the microchip I remember when I was a kid they were telling people that the UPC symbol was going to be the mark of the beast Mm -hmm. um and that you would get a UPC symbol tattooed on your hand I remember actually having someone telling you know saying that at a church I went to um uh, so there's there's this idea of implantables and all that type of stuff that may be hard to sell. And like I said, Jacques Attali was addressing this in some way. Um, and so I think what they've done in movies a lot of the time is given something kind of similar but not necessarily Uh, the two things that I think of are um, Logan's Run where everybody's got that rhinestone in their hand
2: I'm trying to remember how did they have it was it it was on the outside of their hand wasn't it sort of no
1: it was in their palm or in their palm okay it was in their palm and it was like this rhinestone that kind of told how old they were um uh, but it was like a tracking device, kind of. Um, which
2: is interesting in light of all this uh, smartwatch technology, and which is supposed to track your fitness mm-hmm. score and all yeah. this other
1: stuff. But then the most recent one that I can think of that kind of has something where... Um, uh. What's that movie? It had Justin Timberlake in it. It's called In Time. Did you ever see that one? No. From a couple of years back. It's not actually a, pretty uh, good.
2: As big of a it's Justin a, Timberlake fan as, as you were, John?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not a fan at all. But he, but <laughs> the movie the movie itself is good. Like the plot of it, it's very interesting. It's got the whole dystopia theme to it. Um, but the So here's the interesting twist of that movie Is that Time Time is currency in the future What's the name of the film again? It's called In Time In Time Yeah, you should watch it So in the future Time is currency And on your arm You've got like a clock Built into your skin
0: Mm. Okay.
1: Okay, and so it's got like the digital face, like you know, like a '80s watch, digital watch, right? Oh, I see. Okay. And and it's translucent through people's skin, and then so if you go to a job at the end of the day, at the end of your shift, they put more time on your clock, on your internal clock, ah. and it's like money, and a it's like money, right? And so when you go to the store and buy something they subtract time from your clock to buy your food. Right? Okay. Okay, and so um, this is all taking place on the arm, all the transactions. And so the the plot, you know, I won't give away the plot of the movie, but you know, it all has to do with the fact that you've got an internal clock and if you and if your inter, if your clock runs out, you die
2: so does the implant kill you or you go to some center or something like that or? no
1: the yeah the implant like if your clock runs out you instantly fall over and die
2: oh, no. which is what you describe is very much what we have going on now that's just sort of a metaphor for that but money being time I mean that pretty much is what we have now I mean
1: that's that's the per that's the, I think that's the the uh, uh, the allegory or the analogy
2: yeah, and a lot of things like you'll see in film too or just yeah analogy or and then but then it's it, but the common venue for that being the science fiction genre or it's, oh, here's what is going to happen in the well, future, but
1: it's actually yeah, it's going always now, right? Exactly, and kind of um, along the same lines is what what we've been discussing, um, and that you just posted up there uh, on the blog is this idea about self-driving cars and electric vehicles and all this type of stuff, um, but the real push is still for bikes
2: (laughs) yeah yeah you know I I have uh,
0: to
2: I'll just say real quick I think that you can be presented with these ideas I think a lot of it too with predictive programming and stuff that we're exposed to is meant to there there's this uh, paper on this it was uh, put out by uh, golly I can't remember his name but he was some kind of. Uh, it, I don't know if it was Sunstein or not. It, it, but it, it's like nu- the concept of nudging people so that you're putting out ideas. And they talk about this openly, you know, that this is what's being done. Uh, but this was a term for it. There was a book for it. Yeah, I think it was Sunstein that wrote this book, Nudge. It's
1: Sunstein. His book's called Nudge, yeah. Yeah, yeah Sunstein.
2: And uh, so that's what he's talking about in there. It's like you put out the ideas, but you want to present it in a way so that people think it's their own idea that's one of the one of the tactics yeah yeah. bikes and being uh, promoted right as opposed to
1: cars yeah and I think there's still going to be cars in the future but if they have these you see you have to think long term you can't just think like oh well You know, I'm going to be taking driverless cars from L.A. to San Diego or whatever it is, right? It's like, no, long term, um, there's going to be cars that are going to take you around your city that you're going to be able to live in. That's another interesting part about that in-time movie. That's in that movie. It's like that um, it's all based on Los Angeles, Right? Like a smart city. Lost, and and the downtown area is reserved for the elites, and the outside surrounding area is where all the poor people live, and they've got these borders that you can't cross. You're not allowed to go into the downtown area, and you're not allowed to go outside. It's kind of like the Hunger Games. So in all of these movies, they've got all this predictive programming, like, um, you know... You've got these borders that you're not allowed to cross. You're not allowed to go outside of your certain area, your districts, right? Okay. And um, that's already... I mean, that's been in many movies, many dystopic science fiction ideas, is that, um, is that this type of stuff... The interesting part about it is is that it's always pre- presented in the dystopia. But the way it seems to be going, I don't really think anybody's going to want to leave anyways.
2: Right, where it'll be um, sort of a de facto uh, conditions, but won't necessarily be as they're presented in these films.
1: It's just going to be the way a lot of people are being trained and conditioned nowadays is to not want to leave their area, not want to go anywhere, don't want to do anything, don't want to see anything. Um and, you know, just being objective about it, we we had an entire um we had an entire uh, century built on the idea of travel, the 20th century. And, and now the opposite is being done. The opposite idea is being promoted. That's what people really have... I mean, that's what I think people have to look at, you know. Just speaking for myself, the way you have to look at it is... I mean, I like traveling, I like going places, seeing new things and like that. But then you have to ask yourself, well, why was travel promoted? What purpose was it? Because it's not being promoted anymore.
2: No, not like it was. There's still a travel it, industry,
1: but... But they're trying. But most of the stuff is out there trying to scare you. Hey, Chris, trains crash. Hey, Chris, planes blow up, or they disappear, or
2: somebody gets in the cockpit and flies it in into a building.
1: Uh, that's right. Yeah. Or planes just you know they're flying over um, you know whatever it was, Myanmar, and they just disappear into thin air and never show up. And, right. um, never find you never find your body and, yeah and um, you know Bermuda Triangle right, um, right. but but it's um, but yeah a lot of stuff out there is all about scaring you you don't you know snakes on a plane yeah the snakes don't <laughs> get you then the terrorist oh <laughs> If the snakes on a plane don't get you, then the shark nato will. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be a combination. You never know. It's dangerous. Yeah,
2: travel is dangerous. That is a yeah. That's a, that is a, a theme. You've seen that film? Uh, I think it's Code Fifty Two or something. Code Forty Eight or Code. I can't remember.
1: Code
2: thirty-three. Code thirty-three. Skidoo. I don't know. But that's what they portray in that film. And they have districts, and then you are required no, was, to get.
1: No, it was district district forty-nine or something.
2: Something like that.
1: Yeah, what I, I did remember I say? that. Code? No,
2: it's district something. I don't know. No, I think it is code. Whatever. No,
1: it's district. It's district fifty-one.
2: You're thinking of uh, area fifty-one, dude. No, I'm not.
1: No, look at look it up. I'm
2: serious. Okay, I'm gonna. i to look it up. Let me see. Are you saying di- what do you say? District, district,
1: district fifty-two. District fifty-two.
2: No, you're thinking of California's 52nd congressional district. No, that's not what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, Tim Tim Robbins was in it.
1: Arlington Road.
2: 46 dude I knew it was code something 2003 40 No you broke up there Code 46 This is from IMDb so I know it's absolutely 100% correct
1: Are oh, you still there John Check one two District 9. <laughs> that's what the movie's called, District 9. You're you're talking about a sequel that's going to be Code 46 in District no, 9. No. No, there is there is a movie called District 9 though, along with your Code 46 movie. Yeah.
2: How are you supposed to remember the names of these movies if you want to rewatch it? I don't know. I don't know. They're scaring people in this movie, so if you go travel out of your district, you're going to get, like, bat aids or some shit. That's what they show in this movie. Like, like some dude is fixated on bats, so he's talking to this gal, and then he's got to get a pass to go check out bats at a bat cave or some shit. But he gets, like, bat aids from the guano or something. <laughs> No, that's what they show in this film. Like, yeah, like, just what you're talking about. That's funny. Yeah, maybe not bad AIDS, but something to do
1: with Bad AIDS. Go on. I think that's the plot of Ace Ventura when nature calls.
2: <laughs> I think it's a plot in a lot of movies. People catching bad <laughs> AIDS. From, uh, I don't know. It's a reoccurring theme. <laughs>
1: The guano? Guano!
2: They don't don't want you touching guano for for some reason. Never come in contact with it. Ever.
1: No, um. Yeah, so it's... Well, I mean, the main main reason... (laughs) The main reason they don't want you flying anywhere... It's because the flat Earth's being revealed. Oh.
2: Well, I guess that's a... See, but see, we won't ever get to confirm the ice wall if we're in our districts and can't travel out. That's what
1: I'm seeing. That's why. That's why this stuff's you know getting clamped down. It's because they don't want you to freaking fall off the edge while you're out there searching for while you're out there searching for it. You know, you might end up, you know, with the uh, might end up out there with the White Walkers. Like the uh, what's that show? The White Walkers on it at the edge of the flat Earth.
2: The White Walkers. I don't know. I miss that
1: one. Uh, what what's the show everybody loves? The one the mid the medieval show with the flat Earth. Uh, oh, uh, freaking! Uh, I've heard Game it of eight Thrones. billion times.
2: Yeah, Game of Thrones. I don't know how no, I forget Thron- that because I've heard it so many times. Oh. Never seen one episode ever. I don't even know what it's about. I know it's like dragons and and stuff in there, but I've never... But is Flat I, I Earth, it. is a Flat Earth in the move in the show?
1: Yes. Uh, I think it's implied, at least to a certain extent, yeah. Okay. So, that's
2: you another probably,
1: thing, yeah. You could probably look that up. You could pro- probably look up um, Game of Thrones Flat Earth. I, uh... That, that's the impression I got from it and I, I didn't I mean I haven't watched it in years but um, when I when I watched it way back what, when was that 2013 or whenever it was um, that was the impression that I got that there was a ice wall kind of uh, yeah there's a wall that they go over to the other side of some some sort and the dead the dead the zombie kind of ice people or something live over there.
2: Well, I'm glad you brought it up because I just put it into the notes and that should re- re- result in at least 2,000 extra downloads on this call.
1: <laughs> yeah, good.
2: Game of Thrones well, flat earth. I think I should just put it in everything from now on. Title.
1: I think so, too.
2: Every title and everything. I think it will yeah, we should title this uh, call, or at least it's, it's going to be the subtitle, for sure. It's a good idea. But uh, I, I I I uh, is that going to be the future? You thinking? But before before I forget, like what you were you were bringing up the extinction symbol, and I don't think you ever got around to what. You were gonna point out about that.
1: Because no, that we talked about it. It's an X. It's an X. We've talked about it before. The X is the X is the symbol of the future. It's like I said. We talked about this two years ago. You talked about it with Marcus before. Um, right. Uh, um. It's the symbol of the past. It's the symbol of the future. I mean. X is the sign of Osiris they used to bury the, the pharaohs with their hands crossed in the shape of an X right um, some
2: other stuff that's just popped into my head is X marks the spot so if you get a treasure map you look for the X and there's also King's X which was like a, a, a sort of an ultimate curse you could put on somebody I think
1: yeah, that's right. King and King's X was also a Christian heavy metal band. It's <laughs> <that's> interesting. <laughs> no, but right, um, yeah. but seriously, yeah, X marks the spot. Of course, that's that's what they call the Jolly Roger, Chris. <laughs> the sc- skull and bones. Yeah. yeah,
2: and then the X on the skull and bones, obviously.
1: Yeah. Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean, which are the Knights Templars, which are the Freemasons. The Templars, they went down to the Caribbean and they buried their treasure. The X marks the spot. They flew the Jolly Roger. You know what that is, Chris? I, uh. Have you ever seen a Tyrannosaurus Rex, Chris?
2: Never seen one in person no but I know I'm pretty sure that Jordan Maxwell has
1: saw so, I saw one in my backyard one time my dog had it cornered I'm not kidding it was the size of a little like a little football <laughs>
2: <laughs> what do you say is that a pygmy T-Rex, <clears throat> <laughs> a pigmy t-rex. Uh, is there supposed to be such a thing in official science, or I'm not suggesting that Jordan Maxwell just pulled that out of his rear end. So yeah. I mean, if he says pygmy T-Rex, I don't. I was just wondering if there's any. What's the official point of that pygmy T-Rex?
1: What's the point? I, I I just wonder about this stuff. I often think about this, like so, like especially with that era of this type of stuff. It's like like are these guys doing this to discredit this stuff to make it sound kooky that's what they have to be doing
2: I yeah I think that's definitely
1: cause even even if you saw one let's just say he really did see the T-Rex in his backyard wouldn't you know that like by talking about it that would make that would maybe discredit your information that you're putting out
2: uh, yeah it's like a seeing a pink elephant like you just keep your mouth shut man like you there's no point in talking about it
1: i mean there's some bizarre stuff that's happened to me but i can't prove stuff one way or the other so i don't really talk about it too much i mean we i mean we've talked about some some like you know synchronicities that have happened to us before but but nothing too strange You, you know what i'm saying but but um, I can't. Pr- There's certain things I can't prove one way or the other. So I'm, you know, it's just like, all right, well, probably won't talk about that one. But um,
2: oh yeah, same here. I mean, I've had yeah. stuff happen where it's like I don't even bother bringing it up. There's no point in bringing it up because it's like it's it's too whacked out. And then I know because because that, the
1: craziest part the craziest part is. The part that Chris isn't bringing up to the audience that he's not telling you is that he actually saw a full-sized T-Rex in his backyard.
2: <laughs> actually, own a full-sized T-Rex, but it's like, who's gonna believe me? Like it's like, you know, it's like a, uh, yeah, and then, uh, well, I can show you my receipt for my the, the amount of chickens I buy at uh, Costco, but that's gonna be the
1: only <laughs> proof. I can offer. I, spent like I thought it. Yeah, there's there's always been like these, there's always been like these weird shrieks in the background of your calls, and you're you're always like, oh yeah, that's that's my air conditioning. I've just got to get it fixed. <laughs> and I never get it fixed. <laughs> uh, Chris, it sounds like you got like a T Rex in your back. Oh no, no, it's not a T Rex. Oh. It's it's my it's my it's my AC. It's broken. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: it sounds just like a T. Uh um, yeah. Well it, I did get it fixed, but it's like actually what happened is my T-Rex passed away. That's why I didn't do a call last Monday. I was in still grieving. But, right. But uh but, yeah, no point in bringing it up. Not that I'm bringing it up now, but
1: like No. This, no. It's true. Yeah. But but what what Chris did is he went and he buried his T-Rex. And then in a couple of months, he's going to go back and dig it up and make it appear as if he had an archaeological dig going on.
2: That I about. Like yeah. my
1: my T-Rex. Discovery. Then you'll get. To, yeah, then you'll get to be on like Joe Rogan podcast. You know? <laughs> yeah.
2: that's a straight shot, Joe Rogan.
1: Like yeah, Joe uh, Rogan, you'll be you'll be you'll be um. You'll be smoking cigars with Neil deGrasse Tyson.
2: What's Okay, so we're joking around, obviously, but um, I don't actually, I'm not claiming I actually have an actual T-Rex, I, I think most people understand it, stand that, but, like, here's the thing too, it's like, okay, so, you know, Jordan Maxwell saying he saw a T-Rex in his backyard, so the average person is going to take that and say, okay, this guy's obviously just full of shit, he... he 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 didn't see a T. Rex, but at the same time, you can have a so-called paleontologist come on, like Joe Rog like Joe Rogan show, and he he can he can start prattling off so-called scientific facts about something that existed and was walking around like giant lizards, giant, uh, you know, multi-story tall. Creatures that roamed the earth 665 million years ago, and people just take that on face value, like that's absolutely true. There's just no doubt about it. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. But well, that makes don't, no damn sense. I know, but but it's it's funny. You know, um, I mean, think about it in the in the reverse idea of it. I, I just like to. You know, as we go along these calls, I just like be objective about it. So, so people think it's like crazy. They're like, "Oh, what? There's like a man in the clouds, and you know, he controls everything, right?" Uh huh. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's so.
1: Uh, oh, that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, that's ridiculous. Oh, what? The bit? There's a. Ma- yeah, there's a big man sitting in the clouds and, you know, he, he's he got everything planned out. Oh, that's ridiculous. But, but, I believe in giant lizards. <laughs> I believe in two, you know, ten-story tall lizards roaming the earth. Here's another thing. I, I've, I've said this in certain ways before, but I was just thinking about this the other day cuz my daughter's on like a monkey kick. Uh
2: uh-huh. yeah, me too. Still. Um,
1: she's yeah, she she's she's, you know, in into the monkeys and well the not the band, but the you know, the actual animal. Um uh you know, she's she likes the mo- she likes monkeys and gorillas and you know, this type of stuff. She's interested in sharks and whales and all this type of stuff. And um which I was, too, when I... I, I like that stuff, too, when I was little. Um,
2: monkey enthusiast.
1: Yeah. So I was thinking about it the other day. And I, I've said this before, like, this is one of my main things, like, how come there's, you know, if evolution's real, there should be some monkey tadpole men w- walking around. But let's just eliminate the tadpole part. How come there hasn't been any zoos that have had, like... like Like they come, they come to the zoo the next morning, and there's like there's like a like a man sitting in the in the monkey cage. Uh Like, shouldn't that be shouldn't that happen? Like, at some point, like they go into the gorilla they go into the gorilla um, confinement area, and instead, like there was five gorillas, but instead now there's four gorillas, and there's one man sitting there.
2: Where they evolved, like they there was a well people may listen to this and say oh that's absurd you don't understand evolution and how it works well no actually if you look into this uh, concept called punctuated equilibrium that was proposed by stephen jay gould he was a prominent evolutionist i think he died in the 90s but up, uh, you know he he was uh, sort of uh Richard Dawkins, except for the the guy actually had a lot more credentials than Richard Dawkins, but he proposed a theory of punctuated equilibrium where it's like evolution. The reason why we can't find the missing links is because it it, it can happen in, like, fits and starts and, you know, where there was even this other uh, evolutionist that proposed this other idea of the hopeful monster. I think Gould lended his considerable credentials to the idea, too, where it's like, well, you can even have a situation where uh, a a so-called dinosaur or lizard gives birth to a bird, sort of like, it, almost like a spontaneous evolutionary event happening in the deep ages, yeah, of history. Makes sense so that, uh, yeah, so that, that it won't leave behind any trace. It just sort of... Uh, yeah,
1: it's like spontaneous combustion in reverse.
2: Right, Instead where it's, some... uh, yeah, it's just some sort of event and you can't really prove or disprove it because it happened a long, long, long time ago. But why couldn't it happen in a zoo today or like, oh, yeah, well, this... How did this guy get in there? It's like, oh, it's evolved, you know? It's like, what do you, how do you yeah. think? How do you think you yeah, got involved should... from a monkey?
1: Yeah, there should be evolution happening all around. Still, I mean, it's like it's like just because the human, like, let, let's just say, like the human evolved, right? So here, here I am, I'm the descendant of an ape, right? Allegedly, uh huh.
2: Sure.
1: I'm the descent, I'm the descendant of the ape, um, Hold but on, the, John, what the, the the great
2: apes, not not just yeah, the ape, but the great
1: apes. Okay, okay so so. There should be, there shouldn't really be any separation from me, though. Stop! There should, don't leave it up to the like the human race part of it stopping the rest of the animal world from evolving. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, just because we ourselves, we, as a collective human race, have evolved, there should be evolution taking place still in the animal world. Well,
2: shouldn't there be, like, um, kangaroos turning into kangaroo men? Now, they'll say, oh, well, it takes millions of years, Chris, you idiot. You don't understand evolution. It's like, okay, but, like, at some future point is what I'm saying. Are we going to have no, kangaroo but, men?
1: Okay, but but how about this? But, see, here's another one of my things that I, I always get hung up on, this evolution thing. Okay, so have kangaroos been around for millions of years? okay so shouldn't like to shouldn't 2017 be the the four millionth year for at least one species of kangaroo to be able to turn into the kangaroo man
2: As somewhere in the animal kingdom it'll it's, it be their time to be
1: yeah man and not yeah they're, yeah. Yep, there's got to be some some species of animal somewhere where 2017. It's like, oh, evolution says, oh, well, it's been it's been a billion years for this species. Time to evolve, and boom, out pops the kangaroo. You know, instead of a, a baby kangaroo out of the pouch, out pops a human baby. <laughs> the kangaroo
2: lower carriage, and then a, a human pop. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what do you win every boxing championship?
1: forward, <laughs> well, so, he would be trans- I mean, he would be kind of transgendered, so I mean, they'd have to let him box.
2: <laughs> well,
1: yeah, trans species would he be even better? Yeah, You'd absolutely so absolutely have was- to let him do whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, if not box, I mean, at least play tennis, at least. Yeah, or um, be a shoe model. I don't know. Men, men's doubles. I mean, at least men's doubles. Not, I mean, he doesn't have to compete in like the singles, but.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, see here too, is that obviously we're, we're just a couple of, uh, lame brains that don't understand how evolution works. Like it doesn't work like that. Like, which is, you know, but, but, the thing about it too is that anything you can propose or point out can be explained by evolution theory because it's 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 at at its basis it's it's undirected it doesn't have any predefined purpose and to say something evolved really doesn't have any kind of actual definition Because you can't really put a definition on it because it doesn't have any kind of particular direction. So when you really go into it from a philosophical standpoint, you can't even say that humans are more advanced because you have to figure out what that even means. And then it's all going to be... Well, I guess I'll put it this way. It just opens up everything to some... Arbitrary definition, which is what we're seeing right now in the wider spectrum of politics and everything else. It's sort of like, well, it's just your interpretation or what you ever where you want to put on it. But there is no defined uh, standard or archetype or anything. It's all Mm. open to interpretation.
1: Yeah, and the and the evolutionary process of the human will be brought about by the people who pull the strings and the extinction that we talked about in the beginning, I guess we can wrap it up with this, is it's going to be the extinction of the old the old person of the old ways of doing things and not to say that that isn't somewhat perpetual within the system Um, eventually it's going to lead to a transformation a transhumanist type thing, which which whether there's a capability of those type of things to actually work or not is not really the point. The point is is that whether it works or not, it's going to come about in reality, and people are going to believe in it, whether it's real or not.
2: You're talking about the uh, AI?
1: Yeah, which we've talked about this plenty of times before, that... You know, all that, all that type of stuff. One, two, one, two. All that. Going to. All that type of stuff is just going to fake people out.
2: Oh, yeah. And they'll be receptive to it from all the prior conditioning. And then it's, you know. Yeah, sleep definitely... Taking us down that road, from all appearances. But uh, yeah, but you you want to know where the kangaroo man is, John? It's 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 the kangaroo. Kangaroo. What? Who are you to say that they're not already men, John? Oh, good point. Good point. No. Yeah. I think that's uh, the answer. They're they're among us, the kang- kangaroo men are already here. We just don't... See, we're too uh, biased and and we're so blinded by our own superiority complex as, as humans, we fall into this s- speciesism where it's true. we don't even regard
1: kangaroos as men and women. Well, it's because... Well, yeah, and it's because of that that you know, like you won't, you wouldn't even give a kangaroo a chance as a as a husband or a wife because you're already biased,
2: right? And you wouldn't allow them to set on a corporate board or or anything else. It's just that they're I mean maybe they're not interested in doing
1: that. Well, except except for except for Qantas Airlines.
2: Yeah, well, they're using the kangaroo
1: as a local... Well, yeah, they're... Ex- actually, they're exploiting the kangaroos. And exploiting the kangaroos.
2: Yeah, well, it could be interpreted... As My a, mistake.
1: My mistake. That's actually what they've been doing this whole time. They've been exploiting the kangaroo, taking advantage of it. If they... Yeah, but like you said, they probably wouldn't let kangaroo sit on its corporate board because... Well, because... Obviously, it's, you know, it's got a pouch. Pouchism.
2: Yeah, discrimination and speciesism. But, uh, well, that sounds all tongue in cheek and sarcastic no. and everything, but it's not, this uh, is not seriously. because there are people actually talking about these very issues and. It's um, this—I guess—if you want to call it postmodernism or whatever you want to call it—this is actually being taken seriously, and it's not really a joke. Really,
1: I'm—I'm gonna—I'm gonna gonna end this call by saying one thing, Chris. You need to check your human privilege.
2: I—I—I do. I check it now. It's uh,
1: forget forget white privilege or race privilege need to check your species privilege.
2: We all need to. So, yeah, so that's the answer, too. If anybody comes at you with uh, white privilege, say, check your species privilege, man. <laughs> Balls out for a while, maybe.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. Check your species privilege. Oh, I need a shirt. I need a shirt that says that.
2: <laughs> and then, uh... What was the catchphrase?
1: Check your human privilege. Balls out
2: for Harambe.
1: Oh, oh, balls out for Harambe. Yeah, balls out for Harambe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I think we covered everything.
1: We did. We did. If you um, enjoy our podcast and you want to donate, Go to hoaxbusterscall.com and you'll see the ads on demand page. Got some new ads coming out here uh, pretty soon. And, um, yeah, uh, shoot us over a donation. Actually, I think, um, in the coming, what, weeks or so, we're not going to have any calls.
2: Oh uh, yeah, right. well, it could be taking an excursion down to Austin for a few days and, uh,
1: which we usually take a break in August because that's what the Euros are doing right now. We tend to go with what the Euros are doing.
2: Right, yeah. And then John will be spending some time in reflection, checking his uh, species privilege. And, uh, Definitely. Going to the feed the pigeons in, uh, to uh, sort of mitigate <laughs> his uh,
1: privilege. Malt, Pop- mull over... I'm all over my place in, in the world Not just society, but in this world um, Yeah, so yeah. Anyways, yeah Donate, and if uh, you want uh, If you're interested in, in some essential oils Some good essential oils uh, Send me an email We can talk about it um,
2: And I'll just say that they're, they're not called essential oils for no reason they're essential. You need them.
1: They are essential, and they're not called essential oils. Yeah. <laughs> they're called essential oils, not essential. Just so you know.
2: Yeah. Not anything suggestive at all about it. It's just yeah, essential. Oils. Huh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, right. it's getting late, and we're getting delirious. So. Yeah.
2: All right. Good call, man.
1: Good call. Talk to you later. All right, have a good night. Right you too, bye. Take
0: care. Son las doce de la noche y en el pueblo no hay tranquilidad. Los fantasmas vagan niebla cubre la ciudad. La campana de la iglesia suena, todo es infernal. Un aullido de lobos se oye a través de los montes allá en la oscuridad. Y ahora vengan todos, y sí, sí Todos están, repitan, sí, 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 vamos a bailar antes que llegue la mañana con su resplandor. Sí, 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 todos están, repitan, sí, 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 vamos a bailar antes que llegue la mañana con su resplandor. Y en el pueblo no hay tranquilidad. Los fantasmas vagan y una tiniebla cubre la ciudad. La campana de la iglesia suena, todo es infernal. Un aullido de lobos se oye a través de los montes allá en la oscuridad. Están, repitan Sí, 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 sí Vamos a bailar Antes que llegue la mañana Con su resplandor Sí, 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 sí Todos están, repitan Sí, 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 sí Vamos a bailar Antes que llegue la mañana Con su resplandor y Son las doce de la noche y 12 de la noche y en
2: el pueblo no hay tranquilidad Esas noche y pueblo no hay tranquilidad It is Ryan here and I have a question for you What do you do when you win